Ask Wildman, the weekly show from full-service digital agency Wildman Web Solutions, is ready to answer all of your questions about marketing, tech, and sales to grow your small business. Each week, the Wildman Web Solutions team tackles your questions and trending topics live. Learn strategies and tactics to take your small business to big revenue. The Ask Wildman show starts now. Hello and welcome to Ask Wildman. My name is Miles Bassett, the CEO and founder over at Wildman Web Solutions. Uh, we are a digital agency based in Lawrence, Kansas, focused on helping small business to leverage technology to grow and succeed. Uh, so we started putting this show together as a resource for our community, for small businesses, um, and for anyone else with any kind of questions uh, to hopefully, well, do exactly that, answer some questions about technology, marketing, or anything else you want to ask us about. So this is a open Q&A. Um, if you have any questions, please put your uh, your questions, your comments, join the conversation, throw those in the comments below. Um, or you can email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. I've got both of those things scrolling below me in the little crawler here. All right, joining me today, Mike. Mike Hanna. Good morning, Miles. Good morning. All right, let's get this show on the road. All like right. I said, this is an open Q&A, so uh, if you have any questions on anything, go ahead and throw those in the comments. Uh, if you just want to be part of the conversation, throw in your experiences, we can talk on those as well. Uh, we do have a couple of questions in the queue from our email, so I think we're going to get going on those, but uh, we'll try to get to you in the comments uh, as, as soon as you put anything in there. Okay, just to get going here, we got one question from the email. Uh, I think this is more to your side at the table, Mike. So go ahead and pose it to you. Is it okay to jump around platforms month to month when doing a media mix? That's a resounding no, Miles. Um, no, I'll, I'll give maybe a little bit of context to what I think that question is referring to. Um, a media mix being if you are going to be uh, you know, using more than one platform or even more than one type of media. So if you're doing uh, radio, print, television, social media, that's a media mix. So I think what they're asking is, is it okay to do kind of one month over here, one month over there, one month over there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, no, you know, unless there's a very specific reason that that is where your audience is actually moving you know to and, and from uh then no that that wouldn't make much sense to me uh you know the whole idea is building up frequency within the audience is it's a fancy way of saying you want the people to see it as many times as possible because each time they see it, it's another touch point it's another opportunity to move them further down the funnel uh and so you know, when we're jumping around platforms, if we may get somebody to the stage of awareness and may find out, oh, okay, Mike has an auto shop, but they may not, maybe get stuck there. And then it's going to be two, three months before you start messaging them again. Well, sleep is the great eraser. And so they may have forgotten, you know, a lot of what they learned in the previous messaging. So essentially we're starting over. Um, so think about uh, frequency within the audience as, as kind of building up equity. You know, the, the longer it goes, the, the more it's, it's going to build. So uh, you, you always want to be long-term and consistent with whatever you're doing in terms of your media plan. 
Uh, and so sometimes that means making tough decisions. You know, sometimes that means only doing one or two uh, media platforms or types of media instead of, you know, sampling, uh, if you will, across across the smorgasbord. And that's it's a hard lesson for a lot of small businesses to learn. And this is something that I've seen uh, so many small businesses get burnt on, quite frankly, uh, over years and years. Is you know they want to they want to taste a little bit. So they okay, well we'll do door hangers this month and then we'll do radio the next month and then we'll do Facebook the next month and and they want to test you know if that makes sense right and we always talk about how testing is important but they never stay long enough on any given platform to really get good data in order to you know make those the judgment calls on whether or not the test was successful so I would rather be you know long-term and consistent and, and do you know at least three to six months with a, a given media and then switch to another one or you know do two at a time uh, if you can at least in order to test it that way but uh, you know jumping around uh, especially on a month to month type of a type of a basis which I believe is what the question was miles uh, definitely uh, you're gonna you're gonna be uh, giving yourself an uphill battle there so I, I would say no that that's not the way to go yeah, that, that kind of reminds me of a, another question I think we've addressed on here a couple of times, but something a little bit more specific to, uh, you know, digital audiences and social media and you know, people who are wanting to go out there and they, they set up accounts on every different social media platform there is and then can't manage it and you get, uh, you know, mixed messaging across platforms and instead of getting something regular on one or two platforms, you get something every couple of months on on 10 different social media platforms mm-hmm. um and it sounds like it's it's kind of a similar answer there and that is you know i'd rather you focus on one or two things that you're really comfortable with and you you know how to do and you know that you can put out good regular content and build up that audience than uh, stretch yourself too thin across too many networks and not be able to produce uh, that kind of good quality content and ultimately build up that that audience that you were just talking about. Okay, it looks like we have a couple of questions coming in the comments over here from our favorite viewer, Mr. Jeff Fry. Morning, Mr. Fry. What are good free offers to get folks to click to your site and what info to ask for? It's a good question. Uh, we do have a follow-up here as well. Or should we just put the premium offer in, in with a membership? Is that too soon for the ask? So I think we can we can kind of address those that, that as a two-parter. We'll start off with this first section here. Um, I'll take a swing at it, and then Mike, see what you have to add. Um, as far as you know, what is the offer that you should be putting out there? I think that's kind of business dependent. Um, so depending on what kind of product or service you offer that the actual offer itself should change so someone uh, like with a business like yours or organization like yours jeff um, is going to have a very different type of offer than someone who actually you know produces a product versus uh you know subscription-based membership Um, i'd say regardless you should be able to look at your business um, and find i guess what we would we would describe as a loss leader, something that you can produce quickly, easily at scale. It's not going to cost you a whole lot. So it's not going to kill you to give this thing away. Um, And that is the thing that you should be looking at as uh, some sort of free offer to, you know, get people to just 
get their foot in the door, dip their toe in the water and test out your product, test out your service. Um, once they get their foot in the door, that's, and they have a little bit of skin in the game, they have something from you. They're more likely to want to continue with you um, for, for more business for upsells later than maybe move over to a competitor. Uh, so I think it's important to look at something that's not going to kill the business if you can give away a lot of them for free. Um, but also, you know, make sure this is something high quality. I've seen a couple of people, a couple of businesses, I should say, out there um, starting off with something free, some sort of free offer, but the free offer is crap. And so they're handing out this thing to a thousand people. And instead of marketing your business, you're just showing those thousand people that, that your product, your service is crap. Um, so they don't end up going for you and you just paid for advertising for all of your competition and paid for people to run away from you. So make sure if you are going to do something like this, some sort of free promotion, um, that while it's not going to cost you a whole lot and you can afford to give these things away, uh, hopefully on mass, um, it's also a high quality product that's representative of your, of your product and your service. Um, and then I'll, I'll hit one more thing here, and that's the second part of your question, what info to ask for. Um, I think that's also kind of dependent. Basically, you should have some sort of contact information. People go for the name right away um, or address or something just because that's sort of standard information. But what you really need there is a phone number, an email, um, maybe depending on the giveaway, uh, social media information or something like that. But ultimately, you want a way to contact them and be able to hit them again in your uh, in your marketing funnel, market to them later, um, and, and have their information, have their contact information moving forward. So get something that is going to be the easiest way for you to communicate directly with this customer. And also, don't ask for too many things. Uh, we were just talking to a, a client about this, I think, yesterday. Um, and that was, if you have a form on a website or social media or wherever, um, for every field you put in there, you're losing a huge chunk of customers. I don't know the, the percentage off the top of my head, but it's something like, you know, if you have five fields instead of four, then just right there, you're losing a third of the people who are going to fill this thing out. It's a surprisingly large amount of people that don't fill out long forms. So uh, the answer there is to ask for as little as possible for you to be able to directly contact this person and continue to market to them. Mike, do you want to jump in on, on any of that before we move on to more specifics sure. there? Yeah, sure. Uh, good question, Jeff. You know, a lot of, lot to unpack there. I'll, I'll try to answer it as, as generally as possible. Um, but yeah, you're on the right track there. I see some of your, your comments you put in there, eBooks, uh, things like that. Uh, I think the eBooks uh, certainly are great. You know, it, this goes back to our, uh, or, you know, our conversation a little bit about content marketing and how you want to put out value and how we define value as uh, anything that's educational, informative, or, or entertaining. Uh, and so if we're not talking about a physical product, you know, certainly then we're talking about something in, in that realm. Uh, and ebooks are a great way uh, in order to, uh, to you know, disseminate any kind of value-based information. Uh, I would much rather you give it away for free then sell it for $9.99 or something like that. Uh, I, I think that you know, building the audience is the important part here, and that's going to have to take time, you know, is unfortunate. So, so that's another thing to keep in mind when we're having this discussion is what is really the business model? Is the business model in order to get clicks and get people to the website in order to sell them something today? Uh, because if it is, well, then that's, that's a much different scenario than 
I'm trying to get them to the website so I can sell to them down the line. You know, I'm still going to build trust and get them to know and like me before I'm going to ask them to buy anything, which if we can do, that's the preferred way uh, to build a business, you know, is to take the long route, uh, build value, build your audience, and then, or, and you know, decide what what's going to be their product or service they're going to want to buy and sell it to them after that we grow the audience. But of course, some people, they, they can't do that. They need cash now. Uh, and so if we're in that type of scenario, then I, I think what Miles was talking about, you know, in terms of a lost leader or something like that, you know, giving away a quality product for free uh, makes a lot of sense. As long as you have, uh, you know, a structure in place uh, to, to upsell them effectively. Uh, but and sometimes you don't even have to give away a product. You know, a lot of times in e-commerce, uh, just free shipping is a really good offer. And, and people will jump on that. Uh, but and then, yeah, just to echo what Miles was saying about what kind of information you want to get, uh, name and email is the most important. Uh, you don't want to try to get too much, uh, but it also depends on what type of, uh, you know, a remarketing setup that you're, you're, you're going to try to use. You know, if you're going to have a text based platform. Well, then obviously, you know, your the cell phone number is the most important thing uh, that you want to get from them. So. Uh, Really good question. You know, it, it really depends, like Miles was saying, on each specific business. Uh, and you want to find something that is going to be a perceived value uh, to the customer that's not going to cost you a lot. And that's what I would focus on giving away. And of course, always be ready to pivot. You know, uh, market research is going to come in quickly when you when you start giving something away for free. And if people aren't into it, then okay, you got to move to something else and try a different tactic and, and test, test, test. So you were talking a little bit there. I kind of dovetailed directly into his next question, um, you know, tracking people in the funnel, what tools. I think that's kind of dependent on the marketing strategy that you have. Um, uh, you know, if you're doing some sort of social media campaign, then clearly it's going to be the, the actual marketing platform, say, you know, Facebook's marketing platform or you know, wherever you're actually uh, putting those ads out there. It has built in tools for pushing people down a funnel and targeting, retargeting, uh, modifying and fine tuning audiences to make sure that you're uh, spending money in the right place and getting in front of the right people with the right message. Um, if you are doing more of a phone-based thing or a text-based thing, email-based marketing, then there's going to be a whole different suite of tools there. But regardless, having something in place in order to track um, these people as they are moving through that funnel um, and, and be able to retarget and remarket uh, to them later. Yeah, and, and, uh, and of course, you know, the, your website is going to be a huge part of that. You know, the website is going to be the best tool uh, that you have. And so, you know, like we talked about before, uh, don't have people just trapped on a social media channel, you know, get them to something you control, whether that's an email list or a website, uh, you know, you can put pixels and things like that on your website in order to track them from social media. Uh, but that's going to be uh, really, really important for you. If you're, if you're doing, if you're doing the giveaway, you know, if, if I'm understanding this correctly, you know, as uh, a top of the funnel, uh, mechanism, then you've got to make sure that the middle of the funnel has something of value too. You know, uh, otherwise you're just going to be caught in that trap of, oh, I got somebody in the top of the funnel, and now I'm automatically trying to close them. You know, and that's as we've talked about before on the show. It, it's it's not a very uh, good method and won't won't yield uh, as high of results. So so that's where that you know that ebook idea you know comes into play. Uh, that's where, you know, your content pillars come into play. 
you know, if there's something that you can give away for free, but then get them to sign up for your email list, uh, well, then you have a chance to communicate with them in that middle of the funnel there uh, and keep building value, keep building trust in order to then ask them to buy something and turn them into a customer. So that middle part is, is also really important. A lot of people, they just figure out the top. Okay, I'm going to give this away. I'm going to get traffic to something. And then they figure out the bottom. Okay, this is what I want them to convert. And they leave out that middle step. So that, that kind of goes back to our discussions about content marketing and, and that content pillar. Uh, and like I think it was last week, Miles was given the example of the, uh, the was it the brewery or the, yeah. the beer making kit company. Uh, and how he continually goes back to their website uh, because they have articles, they have, you know, uh, videos and, you know, kind of how to stuff that he can figure out questions that he has uh, while he's brewing. And so that is a great example of kind of a middle of the funnel uh, type of, act, of activity uh, where he's he's getting he's not getting asked to buy anything, but he's engaging again with the company over and over and building up that equity, building up that uh, like and that trust factor. Uh, and then he's going you know, be more loyal to them, you know, was, was I think, the, the, the real focus of that conversation. But it dovetails into this one as well. Of uh, You need that middle of the funnel. Uh, and so you're not just getting that trap of, oh, I got somebody's attention. And now all of a sudden I'm cutting right to them, you know, either buying or saying, screw you guys and I'm out, you know. And when we get into that kind of a world, you know, not only do we not convert well, but we end up turning off a lot of those people who we spend a lot of work getting into the phone. Yeah, and a, a little bit of differentiation there, I think might be merited um, from the top of the funnel type activities to that middle funnel. Um, I think exactly what he was just talking about, saying, uh, you know, you can you can drive engagement without asking for a sale. That will that's kind of a middle of the funnel activity. But if you have something and you're wondering, you know, where should I put this in my marketing process? Should this be that um, that free giveaway, that top of the funnel kind of loss leader, or should this be something that you know maybe I, I push later as something that's a little bit more engage, uh, engaging? So people have limited attention spans, especially at the top of the funnel. So it should be something relatively quick, just a little bit of a taste. Don't jump right into um, really detailed later on. Once you've grabbed their attention, that might be a good time to do something with a little bit more detail a little bit more engaging because these are the people that are obviously a little bit more interested in your product or service and they're going to be more willing to invest more time and more energy into the things that you're you're providing for them you know the other thing that's really important in this this stage of the middle of the funnel is building value you know this gives us an opportunity to really prove our worth uh, create trust with the end consumer and that'll end up leading to more sales. You know, a, a trap that we can get into here uh, with lost leaders is free doesn't, it, it gets people's attention, but it doesn't build value in their mind, you know? And so if we just start with, hey, I'm gonna give you something for free, and now I want you to buy something, you know, it's, it's almost like a bait and switch, and we didn't provide enough value in order to, you know, get the, I guess, get the, uh, the equity built up in order for them to see what we're offering is actually worth them paying for something, you know, um, uh, you know, group on and you know, things like that, you know, have been uh, notorious uh, for, you know, kind of removing the value of, uh, of, of dying and things like that, because people were so price driven and, and price focused 
And I think today, and, to, and, and at one point that was the most important thing was price, you know, in the consumer's mind. I think today, as we talked about ad nauseum on the show, it's about uh, convenience, it's about service, and it's about them getting, you know, some sort of value from engaging with you uh, as a brand and a company, and that they're willing to actually pay a little bit more and take the time, especially in the middle of the funnel, uh, to build that value. Um, yeah, I, I think we do have to address this one last thing here, and then maybe we can we can move topics. Um, oh, okay. but specifically, how to track where people are in a funnel. We reference the sales funnel all the time, different kinds of activities for top, middle, uh, on throughout the funnel, onto the close. But specifically, how to identify where someone is within a particular uh, sales funnel. Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. Uh, you know, it, it's it really depends on how you have a campaign set up, you know, what type of, a, you know, media that you're doing. Uh, this is a lot easier on, um, you know, if you're using digital media, if you're using social media and things like that um, compared to traditional media, uh, because, you know, we can actually track, you know, for example, um, initial website visits, you know, reoccurring website visits, and when people actually can, you know, do a conversion on a website. And so through a lot of that data analysis, we can get in a good idea of who's coming in, you know, to the for, for the first time, who's a reoccurring uh, visitor, uh, you know, who's something, who, who is somebody who's bought uh, one, two, three, four, five, six times. Uh, and, and so that is that that's a you know something that's going to have to be done on the back end as you're crunching your data and, and hope. But it's also has to be uh, uh, projected out on the front end, I guess, is a way to say it. And what I mean by that is when you start a campaign, you have to have key metrics, key performance indicators that you're measuring along the way. And so you can set up certain key performance indicators to measure when people come into the funnel, when they leave the funnel. When they, you know they have a touch point in the funnel, you know if somebody uh, engages uh, with your website or engages with your ad, but they don't, you know, actually convert. Okay, well then we would track that, for example, as a middle of the funnel activity that didn't lead to an end of the funnel conversion. But it wasn't like somebody just clicked on our website for the first time, right? You know, maybe we'd already been retargeting them for months and then all of a sudden they engaged and they did something, but they didn't get all the way to the end point where they made the purchase, right? Um, so there's there's ways that we can set up the campaign in order to track that. Um, but you know, if you're not doing digital, uh, if you're doing traditional media and things like that, it gets a lot more complicated just to be <laughs> quite frank with you. Uh, and, and you're gonna have to, uh, you know, really, really uh, rely on more projections and estimates. Uh, than you would if we were actually going to be able to track something from a digital campaign. So I don't know if that's if that's the best answer for you, um, but what, I guess my, my overall answer is it just really depends on what type of campaign you're doing and how you're able to set up those key performance indicators to monitor them through each kind of touch point uh, with with the consumer. And and you know the more opportunities that you have for engagement and for touch points with the consumer, the more data points that you're going to be able to get back. And, and so that's why, you know, uh, understanding, you know, what your customers are saying about you online is super important. Uh, getting reviews from people is super important and finding out, you know, what is uh, your burn factor? You know, how, what rate do you lose people once you get them on the top of the funnel? 
And so that, that's another example of a key performance indicator that we could set up at the start of the campaign, measure throughout, and then be able to look back on the, on the back end of it and say, ah, aha, here's where something was going wrong. We were getting people in the top of the funnel and then they left. And then we can analyze what, what, what was it? Was it the offer? You know, were we talking to the wrong people? Uh, did we not provide enough value, et cetera, et cetera, and, and try to set it up better for success the next time. So very good question. Um, I wish I had a little bit more detailed answer, but that's, that's the general answer to it. Yeah, I think it is really going to, it's going to change based on what kind of campaign you're running, what kind of technology is involved, but sort of the platform agnostic answer is just setting up those checkpoints all the way through that are continually more and more engaging. So if someone passes this checkpoint, you have a way to measure that, a way to gauge that. But if someone has passed this checkpoint, that means they're ready for the next level of uh, more in-depth engagement with you or your brand or, or your business all the way to the point where you get that final level of engagement, which is actually buying your thing, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So the important parts there are, uh, you know, finding some way to set those checkpoints in a way that makes sense um, is a natural sort of progression for your customers. Um, and find a way to, to measure those things so that you can tell when someone passes a particular checkpoint or engages with you in a in a particular way and that places them somewhere yeah. in the funnel. It, then you can you can act after that based on where they are and how they behaved surrounding those checkpoints. Very true. And, and it also really depends on where that business is itself and its life cycle. You know, if this is a totally different conversation if it's a brand new business that just started compared to if it's pizza shuttle, you know, cause we could start a campaign with pizza shuttle tomorrow, but that doesn't mean that every new impression, every new person we reach, every new person that clicks and makes an order is a top of the funnel person, right? You know, they could have been, you know, a pizza shuttle client for 20 years. Whereas again, if it's a brand new business, then we know every single person that we reached this week, you know, was brand new, right? And then if they reach them again, okay, well, it's not brand new then that's, some some place in the middle of the funnel and if they actually make a sale with them well that, that's the end of the funnel so uh that's why it's a little bit hard to answer that question generally because yeah it depends on factors inside the campaign and the factor of the business itself and it's it's life cycle of the business absolutely all right well um if anyone else has any more questions feel free to follow in jeff's footsteps here and throw your questions in the comments below uh this is ask Wildman for anyone joining uh here late uh, open q a uh, for business owners or just people who've got some questions about technology marketing business uh you can ask us anything else but you know we won't claim to be experts on all that we'll give it our best shot um you can also email us your questions at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. Um, if you are catching this later and you want to learn a little bit more, we do provide a couple other resources to businesses in the Lawrence community. Uh, first of all, you can say on our website, wildmanweb.com, there's a couple of things here, but if you go to wildmanweb.com slash articles, there's a whole list of quick articles, uh, you know, just starting at the bottom. These are not deep dives or anything, uh, just to educate anyone who wants to get started in the digital marketing world, uh, learn about websites or social media or SEO or design. Uh, there's articles there on, on just about everything and we're adding to it as regularly as we can. 
Um, we also still have our local business online toolkit available for anyone who wants to start monitoring what's happening online or uh, leveraging their online presence for their business a little bit more. Uh, you can go to wildmyweb.com slash LBOT. Uh, this is, again, just a free toolkit of softwares to um, help you run your business online, help you manage your social media, your reviews, your online reputation, your listings. Um, if you are running any kind of advertising out there, Google ads, Facebook ads, et cetera, there's a bunch of tools in there to help you figure out where people are in the funnel, uh, more effectively use uh, the information that we're giving you here um, on Ask Wildman. And we do do this show every week, so make sure to tune in every week and uh, tell your friends if they have any questions on any of this. They can find us here live streaming to Facebook um, every Wednesday at 11. With that plug out of the way, uh, next questions here. Um, I guess this isn't this wasn't specifically a question, but it's a conversation that I've had a couple of times with um, clients and friends over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I wanted to touch on this a little bit more than maybe I have in the past. Um, and that is uh, several questions surrounding domains, hosting, maintenance, management, ongoing things when it comes to websites, web applications, even mobile apps have some of this stuff as well. Um, so if you guys have any questions on this or have had any trouble, um, you know, tracking down domains and hosting or anything like that, go ahead and throw those comments in the in the comments below. Uh, but starting off with domains, people have been asking about extensions, uh, file extensions. You'll see .com, .net. Uh, there was a bunch of new ones released a couple of years ago that are kind of ridiculous. Um, and they were asking in relation to uh, to SEO. So the answer there is that um, you know getting a different file extension doesn't necessarily affect your website as far as search engines go. Technically, it's a small player in there, but it's not like search engines are, are really heavily weighing a .com versus a .net or something like that. Um, the effects are mostly indirect uh, through humans. So people are just used to seeing .coms, .nets, .orgs. Um, and so if they maybe just remember that your URL is wildmanweb and they're just taking a guess, they're going to say probably wildmanweb.com. Um, and they would be right in that instance. Uh, they're probably not going to guess wildmyweb.info or something like that. Um, so there's a little bit of human interaction there, or just when people say it, you know, um, they're not going to, they're probably just going to out of habit say .com or .net afterwards. So if they're talking about the website, they're sharing it, um, there can be a, a little bit of a problem there. There are some fun new ones out there, like uh, .agency or .ninja is one, for example. Uh, these can be pretty fun, but um, people aren't really going to guess that. It's going to cause a little bit of problems with um, just that user interface and people not getting to you in the right way at the right time. So if you do want to do something like that, I would recommend probably getting a .com and or a .net as well, um, just so that people will land in the right place. Um, and really, unless you have a very specific business reason to do one of those extensions, then probably err on the side of one of the more common ones. Uh, for example, I know a guy here in town. He's a, a health insurance broker, uh, and he calls himself the no-nonsense healthcare ninja. That is his whole branding around the whole thing. Um, he has a logo with it. This is his name. And at that point, if he came to me and said, hey, I want to do a website at uh, no nonsense healthcare dot ninja, 
then I'd say, okay, let's let's go for this. We've really got to lean into that, really make that part of your branding, and maybe consider getting that main uh, .com extension as well, just in case to catch those kinds of people. Uh, but that's a point where I could see, you know, maybe going into something a little bit less traditional with domains. Uh, another one I got is where to buy a domain. Um, there's a bunch of different registrars out there. Go to Google or GoDaddy or Namecheap or uh, any number of places that sells domains. Um, there's honestly not a huge functional difference between them. Um, all they're doing is reporting to the, the the hubs around the world and saying, hey, this person owns this domain, this points here. Um, so pretty much any reputable business can do that functionally. Uh, you might save a couple of dollars one way or another, but um, I think that the the big difference actually comes into the usability of the domain, the tools they provide with it, the service that they provide with it. Um, you know, for example, you can save a couple of dollars by going to Namecheap and getting a domain there. Uh, but the the tools to manage the domain, to alter your DNS settings, and to um, to make any sorts of of real updates to your domain are just a little bit less usable. Um, some of these places are are fine for more technically uh, experienced people. Uh, you know, I can go in there and work with these things, no problem. But if you don't have a whole lot of, of, of experience working with these kinds of things, it can be a little challenging. Um, and a lot of them just don't come with really great support. So if you do have a problem, you don't know how to address it, then you might have to wait for days in order to hear back from someone calling you from the other side of the world at an inconvenient time. And they're not really providing great support uh, versus other ones have live chat 24-7 and can answer all your questions. I personally like going with Google domains. That's domains.google.com, uh, just because the, the UI around it is everything you'd come to expect from a company like Google. So it's super easy to use, super easy to find everything. They've got great support. Um, and uh, one of the big things is they, they make it easy to provide admin privileges to people like me. So if a client uh, has a domain and they need us to build a new website on it, we're going to need to make some um, some changes to that domain to point it to the new website. If you grant me or someone at our company um, admin privileges to that uh, to that domain, we can go in there and make the changes ourselves rather than trying to walk you through it over the phone or something like that. So it's nice and easy for us to get in there and manage something. Versus other companies, they don't really have a good way for you to do that. So you end up having to give your login information over to the web developer or over to whoever it is which is just a little bit of a liability a security issue. Um, I know we had a, a couple years ago a client that did this. They handed over their, their actual login credits to their domain um, to a web developer who ended up you know, transferring that domain out of their account and, and basically taking it. Um, and they didn't realize for years um, and until it was too late. Um, and you know they ended up getting it back, but it was a hassle, had to get lawyers involved, and it was not fun for, for anyone involved in that process. So generally, I'd say that's a bad practice. Don't do that. Um, if you can just grant admin privileges or manager privileges to someone, that's definitely a much more secure way of doing things. Um, so that's one of those things where you know, you might save a couple of dollars going to one of the cheaper registrars, but just having that little bit of extra functionality uh, can can really be worth it in the long run. Um, probably have to, don't have to hit domains too much more. Hosting, 
Hosting is going to be exactly the opposite of my last answer. It really matters where you go and who you buy this stuff from. Um, you can get a cheap domain, and as long as you can manage the settings yourself, to totally fine. But if you get cheap hosting, you're going to have poor performance. You're going to have security problems. It's going to cause you nightmares for as long as you're there. Um, generally speaking, if you go up a, a couple of levels from whatever the cheapest thing you can find is, you're probably going to be fine. You're not going to get, you know, great performance. Um, you're not going to be able to do too much on it, but definitely do not get the cheapest hosting you can possibly find. There's some out there for, you know, $3 a year, you get free hosting or, or unlimited hosting or something. And it's just, you're sitting there on a poorly maintained shared server, uh, that's just infect, infected with every virus known to man, and it's just a matter of time until it falls on you and you've got to deal with it. Um, and, and you're sharing this bandwidth with everyone else on that server and everyone else's viruses that are on that server. Um, so just, just don't do that. Um, that, that could have been how COVID got started, Miles. <laughs> that was it. It was shared. It was a shared hosting environment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was so bad it jumped from the virtual world into the real world. And, so, and Miles, would, would, wouldn't wouldn't you agree that if you're doing any kind of sales, e-commerce, you know, on your website, that you you really should invest as much as you possibly can into your hosting? Yeah, and that's 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 for two reasons. One is performance. Um, if you can get a a larger section on a shared server, or if you can get a private server, or if you can get um, a cordoned off portion of some sort of cloud hosting environment, then you're going to get better performance. Your website's going to be faster, and you're going to see higher conversions, lower bounce rate because your thing, your site doesn't load very well. Um, overall, that performance is going to help your site do whatever it is you need it to do. Um, and then also, just a security concern: um, if you are doing something, say e-commerce, you're handling transactions. You're handling people's personal information, uh, possibly credit card information. Um, if you have anything like that, that's actually where um, your website's actually doing something. It's not just sitting there and saying, here's who I am, here's my phone number, call me and I'll come do something. But if the site is actually doing something, then that performance and that security boost is going to be uh, I mean, priceless. So um, while you don't need to go out and buy the biggest, baddest hosting out there, you can get some pretty crazy stuff for, you know, hundreds of dollars a, a, a week for hosting. You don't need to do anything like that, but definitely don't get that economy hosting. If you can get something that says, um, like I said, you get a cordoned off section of cloud hosting, or you have a private server, um, a dedicated server is usually the, the um, the language there, that's really good, a little bit more expensive. Um, I do like cloud hosting companies because they can sort of scale your server space as you go. That's how our hosting works. Um, another good company there is SiteGround. Uh, they do good cloud hosting. Um, and so as you can start off with something kind of cheap, and then as you grow and need more, you get more people going to your website, higher traffic, higher function, you need more out of it, you can just pay more as you go and scale up as you go. So that can be a really nice solution for, you know, if you know you're going to need this eventually, but maybe you can't afford it right now, you need to start making some sales on this site in order to uh, afford doing something like that. Um, then, you know, try to find a, a cloud hosting company that does that sort of scalable hosting. Um, our 
also want to touch a little bit on the maintenance and management side of things. This is something that people don't really take into account when they're starting a new website, a new web app for whatever it is, um, or mobile apps as well. They, they need this as well, um, or really any kind of software you're putting out there is going to need some sort of maintenance, some more than others. Um, you know, but people think that if they just pay for it to get developed, they buy their domain, they buy their hosting, that's it. Um, but unless you are capable of, of doing all the maintenance yourself, then you're probably going to have to pay someone to come in there and, and do certain kinds of maintenance. Um, you know, some sorts of, of custom-built software don't really need anything unless there's some sort of third-party update. So uh, browser updates um, or maybe like if you have a mobile app and Apple puts out a new uh, set of rules or some sort of updated software or something, you need to change your software, you need to change your app in order to conform to the new regulations, new standards, or whatever it is. So at that point, you would need some sort of update, some sort of maintenance. Um, if you have something like a WordPress website, I know I've talked about this before, but you need to make sure you stay on top of all the updates there, all plugin updates, theme updates, uh, WordPress core version updates. Yeah. If you don't do that, then your site's going to slow down. Um, it's not going to work with new stuff. It's going to have some procedural problems, some functional problems, um, and you're going to opening you're going to be opening your site up to security threats, um, hacks, malware, that kind of thing. Uh, so you got to make sure you're staying on top of your maintenance. So if you are starting to do a new website, a new application, whatever your 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 project is, make sure to ask your developer or ask your agency, whoever you're working with, um, what sort of maintenance is going to be needed for this type of, of application for this kind of project um, and, and budget that out make sure you're getting good high quality maintenance otherwise that upfront investment that you made to, to build your big beautiful new website is just going to go in the garbage a year later when the thing gets hacked and everything's gone everything goes up in flames so maintenance is important it's like getting an oil change in your car little thing you got to do it every once in a while or everything's on fire uh so yeah, i know so i kind of went on of prevention is worth or an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure yes exactly that is you definitely want to take some some proactive measures when it comes to uh you know this kind of maintenance and management of an online platform uh so i know i went on a little bit of a, a, a monologue there uh, if you have any questions you want me to go a little bit more in depth uh, throw your comments in the comments below. Email us, ask wildman at wildmanweb.com. Mike, did you have anything that, any questions that popped up on your side? No, I I was just making my, my offhand comments there. That's about all I had is, is because it's true. You know, we, we do, it seems like we have a lot of, a lot of people that we find that don't understand the importance of spending the time and the money up front on their maintenance. And they'll say, oh, well, we'll just worry about it if it breaks, you know, uh, type of an attitude. And uh, it's really a dangerous, a dangerous road to go down on. And then, yeah, you know, I was just going to double down on, on a bit about hosting. And that's another thing. We, we see people think, oh, I can save 10 bucks a month, you know, <laughs> getting the cheap hosting. And then it just ends up costing them so much more time, money, and BS, quite frankly. Uh, in the end, that uh, not a good road to go down. Just get it done right the first time. 
you know, you reminded me of something, uh, two things there, actually. Um, I, I had someone a while back, uh, I forget who this was, but they had a, they had decided to go with a cheaper hosting option up front, figuring, hey, I can just switch later. Depending on your, your, your website, your web application, or what kind of thing we're dealing with, this kind of varies, but transferring stuff is difficult. It's Ooh. not as easy as you know pick up box and over here and right. move it move it over here um, there's a lot of technical challenges go that go into transferring a web app um, or any kind of technical project like this there's certain challenges and risks that are involved even if you do everything right you you do uh, you know follow all best practices modern conventions something can still happen and you end up losing something or corrupting a file or um, you know, losing a little bit of data or even breaking the entire thing in transfer um, if you're not careful. So um, I'd be really hesitant to go into something with that mindset of, you know, we'll just do the cheap hosting for now and then later we'll transfer it over to another company or we'll transfer hosting solutions later. Because just moving something like that, especially after you've been using it for a while, it comes with its own set of challenges and uh, risks. So if you can find something that's scalable hosting, that can be a good solution. Otherwise, go ahead and put the money in up front and get something good um, if you think you're going to grow into it later. Um, and then you did say, um, you, you said when something just crashes and burns, you'll just wait for something to break before you fix it. Um, that reminded me on a point I didn't throw in there, and that is disaster recovery plans. Um, oh, yes. Even if you have the best hosting, you have the best application, um, you, know, you did everything that I just told you to do, something can still happen. Um, hopefully, you've minimized the risks as much as, as much as possible, but the internet is the wild, wild west, and things happen. So it's important to have a plan for if and when something does happen. Um, that can be just a little bit of malware or a total hack or a complete site outage. Um, that's where it's really nice to have, say, hosting and domain services that have priority support um, that they can jump on and help you right away. Um, and it's also super important to take backups. Um, that's something that oftentimes will come with your hosting solution. Um, or something that you can do yourself as well. Depending on your application, you can just sort of download the files and keep it locally or on a, a external hard drive or something like that. Um, but that's the that's the ultimate of disaster recovery plans. Um, and that is, you know, act of God happens, your site is down, you need to have a plan for if and when that happens. The best thing that you can do is have a full site backup taken fairly regularly because then all you have to do is upload that backup, restore to that backup, whatever the procedure happens to be for your hosting environment. Um, and you know, you've only lost the time between now and when you took that backup. Uh, I know a lot of our applications, we do automatic daily backup. So literally you just lose 24 hours of, of possible changes you did to your website. On larger applications, that's not necessarily reasonable or practical or even possible. So, you know, maybe it's weekly, monthly, something like that. Uh, but even then, it's much better to lose a month of work than it is to lose your entire thing. Everything's gone and you have to start from scratch. So make sure to have that disaster recovery plan and take backups as, as frequently as you can. Definitely. All right. Uh, like I said, if you have any more questions on that, throw those in the comments or email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. Um, 
We've got one more question in the hopper over here. Uh, should I still concentrate on branding if I have a mostly transaction business? Uh, Mike, I think I'm going to throw that one over to you. Okay. Yeah, I think that was I think they meant transactional, but uh, it's a good question. It's a good question. You know what? What is the appropriate amount of balance between branding and selling? Right? Um, it's, I guess this goes back a little bit to what I was discussing with with Jeff's question earlier. Is that a little bit of this answer depends on how your business model is set up and you know, especially in COVID, you know, uh, sometimes business models have gone awry. If you need sales tomorrow in order to keep, you know, the, the ship floating, well then, okay, brand maybe isn't your biggest priority right now and you're more of in a sales driven focus. But if we don't have that, you know, sense of, of urgency, uh, we actually want to focus on brand as much as possible because that on the back end is going to help sales and is actually going to drive sales terms of long-term results and but uh, let me just back up for a second and because the word brain gets thrown around a lot so I'll, I'll give a little bit of context here so what what we generally are discussing when we say brand is you know I think about it as reputation right what when people hear your name hear your business name what do they think what do they say right uh, in this specific you know, specific discussion about advertising I'm using brand as a little bit different way and I'm using brand as you know think about when you think of a category what's the first thing that comes to your mind you know and so this is where top uh, top of mind awareness comes in uh, which is a, a term in marketing it just means that people think about you first right uh, and so branding comes in the play big time in this and, and where you come up in Toma and top of mind awareness and so obviously if you put one one plus one plus one together you're going to get three and if you have good branding and if you have great top of mind awareness, well, then your sales are going to be much more easier uh, to be made because people are going to think about you first before they go to their competitor. So uh, a great example of this is Kleenex, right? Miles, you know, last time somebody said, uh, you know, had sneezing or something like that, they probably, and there was a box of Kleenex sitting across the room, they probably didn't say, hey, can you hand me that box of tissue, right? Most of the time we say, can you hand me this box of Kleenex? Kleenex has, in the, in the modern day vernacular, almost replaced the word tissue. But Kleenex is not a product. I mean, Kleenex is a company that makes tissues, right? You know, so that's an, an epic uh, example of branding. And that's that should be really the goal for everybody is that when they when they think about your business category when they think about your product type do they say you before a customer or do they are you can you even get them to the point where they say you before the name of the product category you know and once you get to that point well it's it's you know your selling is is is, is a slam dunk right right you know it's it's over at that point so yeah i mentioned pizza shuttle a little bit ago so it's a great local example of this uh, and Miles, I want you to close your eyes for a minute and pretend a world that that smartphones don't exist and maybe not even the internet uh, to really drive home this point because uh, uh, this is also this is a really good example. We should maybe do a case study on on <laughs> on Pizza Shuttle because this is also a great example of owning one channel 
and being long-term and consistent, which was, goes back to the first question of the episode. And a lot of people don't understand this, but for I don't know, maybe 20 years, all Pizza Shuttle ever did was advertise on the radio, right? And they had this single, and they, the call to action was the phone number, right? Because this is before smartphones. I couldn't just go, hey, Alexa, you know, order me a pizza show, or I couldn't just type it in and hit a button and it would start dialing, right? If I didn't know that the phone number, I had to go look it up in the yellow pages, right? Or maybe I had, you know, magnets were really big back then. You know, every pizza place would want you to have their magnet on their fridge because it was all about getting them to dial your number before you went to that phone book, because then it was like, you know, going to Google now, right? There's, well, then everybody's on, on there. And, and you may not choose me any, anymore. You may remember somebody else and be like, oh, I wanted to try them, right? So, Miles, do you know the number to Pizza Shuttle? Of course. 8421212, call us at Pizza Shuttle. Call us at Pizza Shuttle, right? So even today, In everybody every knows. County. Right. Everybody knows that number, but especially back before smartphones and the internet. And I saw this play out time and time again, you'd be hanging out with friends or something and people would say, Hey, you want to order a pizza? And they go, yeah, call pizza shop, 842-1212. Right. And it was, it was done. It was over because even then speed and convenience won over everything else. Right. So that's a really long winded answer of saying, if I can get you to say pizza shuttle, instead of where do you want to have pizza tonight i've won and my sales have won so so that's really the goal is is to get somebody to think about you to where you are the thing that rolls off their their tongue they think about the category before even the category itself let alone your consumers and it's extremely important today as it was 20 years ago and it's going to be exponentially more important in the next 10 to 20 years you know as we've talked a little bit about on the show before miles you know once once you know the next revolution is voice arguably but probably you know vr and stuff like that's probably a little bit farther on down the line and and so once i'm not searching on google anymore and god forbid nobody's using yellow pages anymore and i'm sitting in front of my my voice uh app or your device or whatever it is and i'm saying hey alexa hey google hey whoever order me a pizza if i don't tell them exactly who i want Alexa's going to tell me to order it or they're going to order it for me from whoever has had the uh the fortitude the foresight because you got to be first and the money to buy that space right you know, and it's not going to be pizza show. I'm sorry, pizza show. You know, it's not going to be Rudy's, right? It's not going to be the small mom and pop locally owned places that get that that beachfront property on Alexa voice skills. It's not. So the only way that they're going to stay relevant, the only way that they're going to be able to win is on brand. Is on, you know, you saying, I want to order Rudy's or pizza shuttle to Alexa. You know, or hopefully you still have the the the, uh, the you know the phone number memorized, and and you're just you know not, you're not even doing it uh, through a search type of a device. But that's what's coming down the pipeline, and and I think that you know 0.00001 percent of small business owners are thinking about that today. But in like I said, in the next five, ten, certainly in the next you know 15, 20 years, that is going to be the biggest the differentiating factor of success in my mind. And it all boils down to brand. So again, 
if you're not, you know, you don't have to have sales today in order to keep the lights on. You really need to be thinking about brand more than certainly more than than uh, bottom of the funnel conversions, uh, and, and maybe more than any other aspect of your marketing and advertising. Some so, powerful stuff. Yeah, I think brand. That's all that, I got. That that kind of brand really trumps everything else. Uh, oh, I I remember not that long ago they they've kind of fixed this before, uh, now but you know the pizza shuttle specifically was was pretty late to the whole credit card game taking cards they were one of the last places i can think of that were only taking uh cash and checks um and and i remember specifically going and finding whatever last bits of of cash i had or going digging through my desk finding the checks that i never use in any other circumstances just so that i could order pizza shuttle because they had that brand because I was thinking of them because you know they had built up that loyalty with me over the years uh, that it it trumped what we were talking about you know before with making things easy making things convenient not to say that those things aren't important but brand good brand can be immensely powerful mm -hmm. yep. and really push and you through a lot of other challenges yeah and just to drive home that point of how they did it it was on one channel mm -hmm. long-term and consistent you know, literally over decades, they didn't hop around. Oh, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's do this. Let's let's change our jingle seven times. You know, like no, you know, uh, long term inconsistent, and and that's how you build brand and 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 by uh, giving people what they want. And let's be honest, I'm not. You know, I hope Pizza Shuttle Pizza Shuttle lovers don't take it this way or the wrong way. But you know, they didn't build it on the best tasting pizza you've ever had. Right, you know, it wasn't gourmet. It was convenient, and you thought about it first. You know, and uh, and and I think that's a really powerful lesson uh, that can be applied uh, even in today's uh, environment. Yeah, I do love me that wing shuttle, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guilty pleasure there. Um, so we're gonna wrap up on that uh, on that note. Long-term consistent <laughs> branding. I'm running away now. Um, so we will be back next week. Uh, we're live streaming every week, Wednesdays at 11 to our Facebook page. Uh, we'll see you then. In the meantime, if you have any questions, email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com or just go to our website, wildmanweb.com to learn more. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. Mike, thanks, thanks for your input. Always a pleasure, Miles. Looking forward to it already next week. All right. We'll see him again next Wednesday. Later, Mike. And hopefully we will see you all next Wednesday as well. Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com.